Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer... Jonathan Strickland. Hey, McFly, you bojo. Those boards don't work on water unless you got power. <laughs> so uh, let's go uh, straight into a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Jeremy. Jeremy says, Hi, my name is Jeremy, and I am a big fan of the show. After listening to the one on plasma waste converters, I'm baffled as to why we have not fully embraced this amazing technology. I was wondering if you guys could do a show on something called a bloom box. I don't know a lot about it, but I think it's about the size of an ice chest and can power a home running off of natural gas. It seemed almost too good to be true. Hopefully you can talk about it and keep up the good work. Thanks. Well, thank you, Jeremy. We've decided we're going to start a new series. Yes. Um, not a new podcast, but a new series within our podcasts. Because we like to do that. This was uh, uh, suggested by Mr. Paulette himself. Indeed. It's uh, demystifying the blank. So in this case, we're demystifying the bloom box. Awesome. Um, For a second there, I thought we were playing match game. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were playing a, a uh, puzzle game, computer puzzle game, graphically driven. We were demystifying the bloom box. So the Bloom Box. Yes, uh, actually, uh, Bloom Box is. Have you, did you go to Bloom Energy's website? Yes, I did. Yeah. So and um, I, I printed out the data sheet, which is apparently printed on recycled paper because it says that when I printed it on it. Wow. I thought that was funny that they included it. Anyway, so yes. wait, it's printed on recycled paper. Like, yeah, they they put it on the thing. But how how anyway. do they know? I know it's it's amazing. These guys are fantastic. <laughs> okay, but no, they. Uh, this has been something that's in the news. I actually wrote a blog post about it a, mm -hmm. a few months ago um, because uh, they they sort of hit the seam at the right time. As a matter of fact, there was a a thing on sixty minutes, the, yeah. the TV news show here in America, yep. um, about it not too long before I wrote that, and it's sort of been a buzzworthy topic. But in a way, it's kind of not new. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's let's go ahead and say that that. Bloom Energy refers to them as Bloom Energy servers. Yes. They're not uh, Bloom boxes, uh, at least not on the website. I didn't see a, a direct reference to Bloom Box from their corporate message. It, that was sort of the media name I saw. Yeah, I think people have, it's sort of like the Wiimote, as you are uh, uh, want to call the Wii Remote by Nintendo. They, Nintendo put the kibosh on calling it the Wiimote before its actual release, but people still call it that anyway, especially Jonathan. They probably felt wee morse about it. Oh. So anyway, yes, Bloom Energy calls the uh, the device the energy server, and there are a couple of different varieties. The one that, that you were talking about, uh, Jeremy, is not the one that they've already released and is in use by people. What they uh, the, the data sheet I downloaded is for the corporate version, which is the ES5000 energy server, and it is a much larger device. actually takes up uh, reportedly about the size of a parking space. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it's not the one parked in the CEO's slot. It weighs approximately <laughs> 10 tons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is a, a hefty piece of machinery. Yes, it does, in fact, run on natural gas, uh, although it can use other biogas. 
Um, it does require some water, about 120 gallons of water for startup. Yep. Um, it can output about 100 kilowatts, which is pretty significant. Yep. Um, and that could be used to power several homes. Yep. As well. So, um, oh, I'm sorry, you're still giving some specs. Well, I was looking for anything else that uh, that folks might be interested in. And I would encourage you, if you're really interested in in the Bloom Box, to to download this data sheet because they really made it very easy to uh, to understand. It can operate in a grid, which is interesting too, because for large buildings, like for example, warehouses, where you might need a whole lot of power, or data centers. Yeah. Uh, for example, where you need lots of air conditioning to cool the computers inside, um, you can operate them in, in a in a grid. Uh, you can have your own local grid, if you will, to power your industrial applications. Yeah, and that was sort of the the big news about the Bloombox was that um, these, this was a device that could theoretically allow people to get off the power grid entirely and power their own homes with this little people were calling it like essentially a portable power plant yes or a a pint-sized power plant um it's a little more complicated than that Mm -hmm. uh chris said that the idea itself was pretty old that's because the idea of the bloom box is essentially it's a uh, fuel cell or it's really a stack of fuel cells yes um it's sort of like a battery. We didn't really discuss this in our batteries podcast, but a battery is a group. The cell, individual cell, a battery is made up of, you know, can be made up of several cells. Yes, which yes. is um, So in this case, yes, it is like that in which it's got several cells inside. Yeah, so uh, fuel cells and batteries share a lot in common. Mm-hmm. All right, they both use chemical reactions to generate electricity. However, with a battery, what you get is... Generally speaking, you have uh, this chemical reaction that takes place with inside the inside the battery, generates the electricity, and eventually the chemicals run out inside the battery. They convert into inert uh, chemicals, at least as far as electricity is concerned. Right, and and as far as even the rechargeable batteries yeah. have a limited lifespan. There's only so many times you can put it through a charge cycle. Uh, you know, you charge you it, discharge it, and, and it's it's eventually yeah. the chemicals inside are going to wear out, and you will have to recycle the battery. Yeah. Now, a fuel cell is, well, this is where the word fuel comes in. Mm-hmm. You actually have to fuel it. You put fuel into the fuel cell. It will use a chemical reaction to generate electricity, but eventually that fuel will run out, and you will have to replenish it. Yes. Uh, now, the fuel cells that a lot of us are familiar with are hydrogen-based fuel cells. That's the yes. kind that you hear of for hydrogen-powered vehicles. Yes, and for uh, for other devices, too. Yes. I mean, we've we've talked about portable fuel cells, yep. which can run on on hydrogen and other uh, fuels. And, of course, the, the big um, draw of hydrogen-based fuel cells is that the only uh, emissions they create are uh, heat and water, mm-hmm. or water vapor. Um, the fuel cell of the bloom box is slightly different. It is it is not a hydrogen based fuel cell. No. It uh, it's actually a kind of fuel cell. It's called a, a solid oxide fuel cell. If yes. You, if you've listened to our fuel cell podcast, you probably remember that we did talk a little bit about solid oxide fuel cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid oxide fuel cells are well, they're problematic. They mm-hmm. they can they can uh, pr- produce a lot of energy. Um, they have that that potential, but they have to operate at high temperatures. Yes. Uh, in order to, you know, most fuel cells have a range of temperatures at which they can operate, um, and then outside that range, they start to the efficiency starts to decline. Right. And then you get a certain temperature where it just drops off, and the fuel cell is not going to work. 
for solid oxide fuel cells, that temperature is quite high. Um, so that was a big problem is that how do you create a, uh, a some sort of facility or some sort of device that can get energy out of a solid oxide fuel cell um, without having to require too much energy to get it heated up or make it dangerous for humans to be around. Mm -hmm. And Bloom Energy says that they've cracked that nut. Yes. Uh, it still operates at a pretty high temperature, mm -hmm. but it's not at the you know incredibly high temperatures that other pre earlier solid oxide fuel cells used. Right. And um, it's kind of interesting. The If you were to... First of all, I guess we should kind of describe what a bloom box looks like. Okay. It looks like a it looks like a big kind of uh, industrial sized refrigerator. Kind of, yeah. You know. Now, if you were to open up that refrigerator and take a look at what was inside it, chiefly what you would see uh, would be stacks of tiles. Mhm. Mm uh these tiles are ceramic tiles. Yes. And they are coated with two different what what Bloom Energy calls inks. Yes. A mm -hmm. green ink and a black ink. Yes. And uh, it's interesting because that's actually the anode and the cathode. Aha. Uh -huh. Which, if you listen to our battery episode, you've heard those terms before. Mm -hmm. uh, and Bloom Energy actually has a cute little uh, animation. Did you see that? The, yeah. About how it works? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's actually pretty helpful. So if you go to Bloom Energy, you can watch this animation. But essentially the way it works is that the Bloom box has to heat up. Mm -hmm. Once the temperature reaches a certain point, it starts to draw oxygen in, which is attracted to the cathode side of these tiles. Right. Uh, which is the black ink side. Right. Um, then you have to pump fuel into the the bloom box. That fuel will mix with steam mm -hmm. to become this reformed fuel, which will get attracted to the anode side. The... Uh, Oxygen from the cathode side will become ions. That means they lose their electrons. Right. And the electrons, that, that's what ends up being the electricity. That's the electricity that flows out of the, the bloom box into your home or your business or whatever. And that oxygen will recombine with the reformed fuel to form water and carbon dioxide, a little bit of carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. Essentially, I think it was like one part carbon dioxide to three parts water. The water would then become the steam used in that uh in that that fuel um the re creating the reformed fuel that's what you know that that water would just become steam again more fuel would come in and that would become the reformed fuel right um and the heat generated from this chemical reaction would help sustain the bloom box which is uh so the 120 gallons of water that you talked about at startup, right. that's what you need because you haven't started the chemical reaction yet. Yes. So you have to have some water to to get this started. And then once it's started, it should perpetuate itself as long as there's more fuel coming into the system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's important to remember. You have to have fuel for this to work. If you don't have fuel, then, uh, then nothing happens. So right. um, if you're using natural gas or biogas, whatever, uh, to fuel it, then... The only emissions you get are water and carbon dioxide and heat. And the reason for that is because there's no combust combustion taking place. Right. It's right. not igniting the fuel. It's There's a chemical reaction. Right. And that's why it's so much cleaner, even though it's a, a fossil fuel. You know, it's not like you were burning coal yeah. to achieve, you know, the, the uh, generation of power. So you're, you still have a carbon footprint, but it's much smaller than using traditional coal-based power. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why uh, the the Bloom Energy server is 
such a hot topic, if you will, mm-hmm. um, is is that it seems to be a much greener source of electricity than you know uh, than other sources of electricity. And the thing is, too, um, it seems to be uh, the you know the thing that we have been all been striving for since fuel cells were created more than a hundred years ago at this point yeah i mean uh, another point that that bloom likes to make is the fact that uh older fuel cell technologies required hard to find and expensive metals yes to run where bloom energy is essentially using sand yeah they're creating ceramic from sand rather plentiful yes and yes. inexpensive no shortage of that Yes. Um, the Sahara is missing several refrigerator-sized uh, <laughs> vents of sand. I figured they just went down to the local hardware store and you know, picked up a few things of playground sand. And yeah, that's probably it. Anyway, no, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, assuming, and of course, it's one of those things like hydrogen fuel cells in cars. Right. You know, people people were so excited about that, like, oh, well, this is this is great. It's just you know water vapor, and it will, and in five years we'll all be driving these cars powered by hydrogen. Well, it's not. That easy because you have to find the source of the hydrogen, right. which is extremely challenging to do on a cost-effective basis. There's actually three main challenges. One is that you have to find that hydrogen yes. or you have to purify it. Uh-huh. So that requires energy just mm-hmm. going into it. The second is that uh, the precious metals that you referred to, yes. many of these fuel cells require platinum, which mm-hmm. is not very plentiful. And, Nor is uh, it expe- in, inexpensive. It's quite expensive. And the third is the the fact that there's no real infrastructure to support a fleet of hydrogen-powered vehicles. Right. You can't pick up uh, another tank of hydrogen at your local fill-up station. Yeah, not for most of them anyway. Yeah. There are a few hydrogen stations, but they're very few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to build out that infrastructure. You have to find a, a, a maybe not cheap, but at least financially reasonable way of getting at hydrogen, and you have to find a way to... Um, create electrolytes that don't necessarily rely on on uh, precious metals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's interesting that the ceramic tile itself acts as the electrolyte. Yes. Uh, the, the ink acts as the anode and cathode, and the ceramic tile is the electrolyte. That's To me, I think that's the real breakthrough. And they used um, metal plates to separate the various tiles from one another, but they were really cheap metal alloys. They didn't need it because this was just a separator. It wasn't an electrolyte, so they didn't mm-hmm. have to get like a platinum sheet. Uh, that being said, these energy servers are not cheap. No, but they're not they're not so exorbitantly expensive that companies have not been installing them. I've seen a cost I've I've seen a couple price points for these energy servers, the lowest being eight hundred thousand yeah. American dollars. I've seen I've seen seven hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars. although I've also seen reports that they are more than a million dollars each. Well so I've also heard that within Within around five years, they pay for themselves from energy savings. That's the other thing we should point out, is it's not just that it's a greener technology, but it's also cheaper depending upon fuel prices. Yes. Because remember, you do have an ongoing expense. You have to keep buying fuel to refuel the the bloom box. That's correct. So as long as the fuel prices are lower than the, uh, the fees you would pay the power company for electricity, it makes financial sense to make this investment, especially if, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to, if you have a renewable energy source, because mm-hmm. I have read reports that it could use solar power yeah, to provide the power needed to fuel the fuel cell. I don't know how that works. No, I, I tried no finding out 
where this comes from, because I honestly do not understand how you could create the fuel that has to reform with the water vapor. Right. I don't understand how that works with solar power. But supposedly it does. At Mm -hmm. least that's what the the founder who went on 60 Minutes said. Yeah. Um, That that really perplexes me. I honestly don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, this is uh, this is something that's been in development for about eight years, nine years or so. Um, it's, it's interesting how he came up with the idea. Oh, yes. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. The, um, the fellow who, who came up with this technology was originally working on, uh, and it's uh, uh, K.R. Uh, Sridhar. Yes. And mm-hmm. I probably butchered that name, and I apologize, because, again... I have terrible times with names. Mm-hmm. But um, he was working on a project with uh, with NASA. Yes. It was a Mars project, you know, trying to figure out the technical problems around getting a human being to Mars. And one of those is how do you carry enough oxygen to last for the entire trip? Mm-hmm. And more importantly, how do you continue to make oxygen once you get there? Right. So he, he Seems was problematic. Working, right. So he was working on a way of generating oxygen. Uh, when that project fell through, he decided instead of just saying, oh, well, that was a waste of time, he looked at his research and then said, what if I reversed this process? So instead of generating oxygen, you know, using energy to create oxygen, what if I try and create energy by using oxygen? Mm-hmm. And so the bloom box is reportedly just essentially a reversal of the process that he had been working on for this Mars mission, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty interesting. It's a nice repurposing of technology. Certainly. Um, and uh, they've already got some some pretty high-end customers, yes, too. Yes, there's um, one that rhymes with Boogle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also one that rhymes with Shmibe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, Staples, uh, FedEx, Coca-Cola, eBay, Google, they, these are all Walmart Apparently yep. is is working on powering stores with with the Bloom Energy server. Reportedly, Google was the very first customer purchasing yep. four of these servers for one of their uh, uh, data centers. And I have not heard anything negative about the outcome. Of course, that may be the effect of a very powerful PR effort. But I don't I don't know. I haven't heard anything positive or negative saying these are the greatest things since uh, sliced bread. Um, I haven't heard anything saying, you know, these things are a piece of junk either. So it, it seems that the the experiment, if you will, is off to a, a, a decent start. Yeah, I think it's uh, as long as we remember that um, the important thing, I think, to remember in this case is that... The fuel? Yeah, it is, it is based on fuel. It's not... Some people were thinking of it as some sort of weird free energy device. Right. Like there was just this box, you would hook it up to your house and it would magically produce electricity. Right. Um and and that just comes from a misunderstanding of how fuel cells work. It's it's ignoring the fuel in fuel cell. Mm-hmm. So uh, keeping in mind that this is something where you have to refuel it either with natural gas or, or biogas um, or apparently solar power, though I still don't understand how that works. Uh, <laughs> if you keep that in mind, then it may very well be a a a nice step. It's still not. It's not. It's. Not necessarily as green a uh, response as, say, finding a renewable energy source mm-hmm. and powering your business with that. But even that has its problems, right? Yep. Because these renewable energy sources, the source is clean, but the devices we use to harness it are not. Yeah. Because we've talked about that with solar panels and with even 
the the turbines that we use to gather wind energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, these rely on very scarce materials, some of which are toxic in nature. Yes. So yes. it's um, you know this is a, this is one of those tough things, right? You know, you sit there and try and figure out what's the best option out of all the things that we have available to us. Yeah. Not everyone can park their giant data center on the shore of the on the banks of the Columbia River and harness the uh, water power, or plan a waterborne data center that harnesses the tides itself to create power. Now, that's pretty nifty. You haven't, uh, yeah the the um, the patent for that Google filed a patent for that <laughs> a floating data center. It's actually really kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to think of the IT specialist station on there as walking around with peg legs and saying R a lot. <laughs> uh, Patchy, get down there and swap out this hard drive. Um, Yarr, so... this, this here server needs a patch. <laughs> Ow. Um, so, but yes, uh, that's, that's what they've, they've started with. Although um, I did find uh, an article in Fast Company mm-hmm. uh, from September 28th of this year by Ariel Schwartz, a mm. uh, tech journalist. And um, Ariel said that Bloom Energy is, in fact, working on a home version of the unit, which I uh, I, had, I remember hearing, but I'm glad I found a source for it. It would cost, according uh, to Ms. Schwartz, about $3,000. Um, and they expect to release it in the near future. I don't know what the near future specifically means. Right. But I do believe that they are working on something. You could use this, uh, uh, you know, a larger box, the ones that, that um, uh, power the uh, industrial facilities to to harness that in a local setting. But if you wanted one to hook up to your house, you know, there is an option for that supposedly coming in the future. And by the way, uh, Bloom Energy refers to this as distributed generation. Yeah. And they're saying that this is a much more uh, secure method of of generating electricity. Of course, uh, the power outages in the grid in the northeastern United States illustrate the problems that can come from relying on such a widespread grid. There have also been some very famous ones in California. Oh, yes, yes. Um, So this could be a kind of an answer to that yeah if it, people it, adopt it and if it if it's as successful and and as efficient as it seems to be yeah and the executives at bloom energy have even said that the uh the power companies themselves might invest in this and as you were saying create neighborhood networks yeah where each neighborhood has its own bloom energy server that's owned by the power company mm-hmm. so you're still getting your electricity from the power company it's just instead of getting it from a coal burning facility that is you know generating the power you'd be getting it from a a, a bloom energy server right. owned by that company so it, it'll that's be interesting. interesting to see yeah I, I think um i think as far as reducing emissions it's potentially uh a, a great thing mm-hmm. whether or not it will make financial sense to move to that. See, that's the problem is that sometimes what makes sense financially uh, unfortunately does not measure up with what makes sense in every other sense of the word. Right. And of course, as we know, as we know, um, you know, the box is running on natural gas. Uh, fossil fuels are finite. Yep. So we Although would need... biogas, I mean, that that's a little... No, I'm d- sure we could probably find some methane somewhere around here. <sighs> I'm not saying don't don't make comments about Josh. It's not his fault. <laughs> I didn't name names. You're the one that brought. Shouldn't them have up. had that chili. Anyway, but no, I, I do think that that would be an option. But uh, you know, it's going to need to be flexible. And apparently, uh, it seems that Bloom Energy has taken that into account. Yeah. So uh, maybe uh, facilities located near landfills, which are generating methane, and boy, howdy, do they! 
Um, <laughs> I used to play disc golf at a park that was next to a landfill, and they had those, you know, the pipes where they vent the gas. And, yeah. Well, let's be fair. Methane itself, before anyone writes in, is has no odor. No. On its own. But it does come with some other stuff that does. Yes. Yes. The the methane that you're familiar with, the odor comes from either other materials or it's an odor that has specifically been included by the gas company so that if there were a gas leak, mm-hmm. you would be able to detect it. Yes. And we are aware of that, so please don't email us. Yes. Good old CH4. All right. So anyway, let's wrap this up. This was demystifying the bloom box. If you guys have a particular topic you would like us to demystify, so it's really kind of exploring something and, and discussing how it really works um, let us know. Uh, one of the things we were talking about possibly tackling in the future is, for example, the Segway. Yes. So uh, if you have a, a, a topic that you would like us to demystify, let us know on either Twitter or Facebook. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can shoot us an email at techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks.com iPhone app is coming soon. Get access to our content in a new way. Articles, videos, and more all on the go. Check out the latest podcasts and blog posts and see what we're saying on Facebook and Twitter. Coming soon to iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?